0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: You know, there's nothing more satisfactory than a Derby Day win. I'll wait... Yes, there is. It's a Derby Day win without two of your key players, your manager and your first team coach. Cheers, Knotts County. It was Davis Keeler who rose himself into Mansfield Town Folklore with a stunning strike in the first half at Wongfall Stadium to lift the roof off the home fans and silence those magpies. It was a victory which the Stags perhaps didn't see coming, especially as they knew they were out without key players. But a surprise addition in the starting lineup an hour before kickoff gave us that little bit of a boost that we needed. And the Stags recorded three points, a clean sheet, and cemented their place in second in Skybet League Two. Could that Derby Day victory be won propel the stags forward for the remainder of the season this is the show for the fans by the fans why because mansfield always matters as always come and have your say on your team as we recap the derby day delight look ahead to two very tough fixtures for very different reasons and of course continue to reflect on that goal Good evening and welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. It is great to have you with us, as always, and you're and it's a delight to be back live after last week's pre-recorded effort. Although it was quite funny because we were recording it as if we were live and halfway through we did get a breaking news transfer. I doubt there'll be as much action tonight, but you never know when you're joined by not one, not two, not three but four famous faces of the Mansfield Matters Parish. Let's say hello and good evening to some of them. It's a man who's been sunning himself for the last few weeks, but I'm assured that he was back for the Notts County game. And he's got some new shirts as well. Evening, Nick.
4: Hi, mate. Um, Yeah, I was. I was back. I did make sure I was back.
3: It's the first thing you do when you book any holiday, isn't it? Uh, Let's say hello, good evening, and welcome to regular faces. It's Clive Parking. Good evening.
5: Uh, good evening, everybody. A special good evening to the man in the wardrobe. And <laughs> The man in the wardrobe. Who's the man in the wardrobe? man with all the shirts on, hangers behind him.
3: Oh, very good, very good. Uh, let's say hello, good evening, and welcome to the man who pronounced a victory at 5pm uh, on Saturday. It's Mr Alan Wilson. Evening, Al.
6: Good evening, Craig. Good evening, everybody.
3: And let's say hello, good evening, and welcome to a man who, for the past six months or so, technology has failed him. He's never been able to get on a virtual podcast. We've only only ever heard his voice, but now we can see his face because he's got technology. It's Jim.
7: Hi, everybody. Hope everybody's well.
3: Good to see you, mate. So, an uh, absolute fivesome tonight. A delight of Mansfield Matters faces. Uh, let's delve straight in, shall we? As always, get involved in the comments and have your say on your team. And let's delve straight in, Nick, by reflecting on that victory on Saturday afternoon at One Course Stadium. Derby Day Delight. What a derby it was.
4: Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite surreal, actually. I thought at 1-0, I would have put all the money that I will ever earn into the fact that it wouldn't stay 1-0. And it did. And the longer it went on, the more I thought, actually, it might stay 1-0. Um, yeah, it was it was rather, I'd say, unexpected in the case that we're normally good against not County at home, aren't we? So there was that. But I don't think anyone quite expected us to be comfortable. I know they did have some chances, but I thought it was reasonably comfortable. And looking at the table afterwards, we're in such a great position. To, you know, if you'd have told us before the first counter game that by the second counter game, we'll be 10 points ahead of them, I, I, or whatever it is, 9-10 points. You know, I don't think you'd quite believe that. So it was a brilliant game, makes the weekend as it always does, and sets us up nicely for the rest of the season.
3: Jim, there was a little bit of trepidation before kick off because we were all worried about the Aidan Flint thing, and the suspensions, and what have you. But even I think when we sort of saw Flint named in the the lineup, we were chatting, weren't we, before the game, and we were still a little bit apprehensive. But we need not been. has he froze? I think he's froze. Alan, I'll put it to you. <laughs>
6: yeah, it was like a rabbit in the headlights, bless him Yeah, there were no need to be uh, concerned, I didn't think As soon as O'Toole went to Wimbledon I thought that was the catalyst, you know, he'd it, be playing Whether it would be strapped up, whether it would be full of injections, whatever We knew he'd be out there As soon as O'Toole went, I don't think there was any uh, doubt in it whatsoever And Williams, wow, what a game Let's try it again, Jimmy, you
3: there
7: to be it, it sort of cut out for a bit <laughs> oh about aiden flint
5: <laughs> um, yeah, you yeah, the rest of was really of good
7: thing. well you know serving a purpose uh, <laughs> um i think i think the carter game was a sort of game like Clough said it wasn't physical was it so they had sort of, they got sort of small Apart from the gold trick, small tricky quick players so he was never going to be pushed about the, you know, I, I don't think as long as you can sort of get a painkillers down. I mean, it was up to him. He's always going to get out, of it. so it, it was a brilliant boost. Was, I think Clough probably knew from about Wednesday or Thursday he was going to play.
3: I think it was a very good psychological mind game trick on Clough's part, Clive, to sort of uh, say that, "Oh, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we don't. I'm not right. going to put anything it because I think most most people, especially in the Knox County." Uh, fans would have gone well he's their star man and he's probably not going to play and that's a big advantage it was a mind game which worked very well i thought
5: yeah i think he took the opportunity opportunity to keep one of his cards close to his chest and because uh, he when he was being interviewed during the week he, he certainly answered questions in a way that he doesn't normally so i thought this is a this is Clough doing something different here so i mean i said he wouldn't play because logic says he shouldn't have done I'm glad I was wrong because it was important to us. But I have to say that the whole team worked really hard all through the game. And credit to Knox County, they came to play football.
3: Yeah, they did, Nick. And I I think, you know, one of the other things that we weren't sure of on Saturday was who was going to play in the right back position. We potentially earmarked Lucas Aiken to play there. Lewis Brunt has played there on one or two occasions, although I don't think any of us really want to see that again. Uh, But George Williams was a name which was also milling about and he, he got his first start for, for the Stags in, in in the league. And do you know what? He had an absolutely solid game and fully deserving of the supporters man of the match nomination through social media, Nick.
4: Yeah, I thought he'd been really unlucky not to play. I mean, i go back to the first game of the season at Crew. I thought he came on and played well. I saw him at Accrington. He played really well when he came on at Accrington when we were there. Um, I've never seen him come on and look poor, really. He's always played, he's played well, really composed on the ball. I suppose the only question would be his pace, but he... His positioning was bang on. I thought he, he didn't, he looked like he played, if you said he played every week, he wouldn't, he didn't look out of place, did he? Um, I, I thought he was fantastic, um, especially as he'd been ill as well, hadn't he, the week before. So that sort of added to the um, to the question. I mean, I, I wasn't sure who he'd go with, to be honest. I would have liked to have seen Williams, but I, for some reason, I didn't think he would play him. I thought Brunt was going to play there and there's going to be some weird, you know, sort of the other three would be some weird combination of, of Mansfield players, but yeah, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was really good. I mean, he came off, didn't he? So, I don't know if he's injured. He didn't really make any sort of comment on that. But he just got cramp, I Was think, it cramp, was it? Was it cramp, yeah. Sam? So, yeah, I, I thought he played really well and fully deserved to keep his spot. You know, I think we've we've had three right-backs this season and all could argue that they should be playing every week because all three of them, when they've come in and played there, have been brilliant.
3: As always, keep your comments coming in. Uh, heads up, Jim. I'm coming to you for the answer for this next one. So, uh, just prepare yourself. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as uh, Thomas says in the comments, I think, as strange as it might seem, the Wimbledon result and the circumstances around it could be a catalyst for the rest of the season. Seems like Clough has used it to create a siege mentality. Your thoughts on that, Jim?
7: I would absolutely agree. I think after the game before the Wimbledon game was the Sutton game, wasn't it? And it, it was really, really flat and we seem to have lost all our fight and spark. And I think if the Wimbledon game served the purpose to... Spark was into life, and it was worth worth defeat. Because I think since then we've been we've been on our toes and front foot, and it's it's nice to see a bit of fight back in the lads. It, we'd, we'd gone flat over uh, Chris, well, just after Christmas, and we, it seems we've come back now. And uh, i more more faith after the Wimbledon game than I did the Sutton game, to be honest with
3: you. As strange as it might, even though we lost
7: the Wimbledon game, but
3: yeah, yeah. As strange as it might seem, Alan, as well, I think what what uh, Thomas has said in the comments is absolutely spot and like what Jim said there. We almost needed a game like that, didn't we? One where decisions didn't quite go our way with a couple of red cards or a couple of dodgy incidences and, and really up against it. Sometimes you need something like that, don't you, to sort of jolt you back into life.
6: I think it must have gelled everybody together. You know, from what Nigel was saying in his interviews and whatever, I think it just, uh, it was one of those things that happened. It, Probably, like you say, it needed to happen, whether we like that or not, but uh, you know, it certainly served its purpose because even though it was a Derby match and you'd expect the atmosphere to be there, which it was to be fair, I thought the fans were fantastic on Saturday, by the way, but uh, yeah, it's just, you know, let's go on this run again now, we've started, we've had the win, let's carry it on.
3: Yeah, it's all about what we do next, isn't it Clive, about how we utilise this result and that almost turbulent little bit of spell which we went through in, in January when you reflect back on it. Um, it's how we take that now into these February fixtures, which are going to be key for us.
5: Yeah, I think um, just before I move to answer that question, just a word of congratulations to the referee and his, uh, his assistants. I thought they had a good game. Um, whether that's yeah. because we're so used to such diatribe, I don't know, but I thought he did well. Um yeah, I think we're in a good position moving in, uh, through the rest of this month and into the final <laughs> straights of the season. And I think, uh, of course, next week against uh, the mighty Forest Green Rovers, we've got the two uh, suspendees back and uh, uh, and Clough is allowed back on the touchline, although I think he should go up in the stands more often.
3: Yeah, let's talk on that, Nick, because it was a very uh, funny uh, interview sort of afterwards. You know Clough by now, he's going to have a dig where he can. He wouldn't have had that dig had we lost that game. Of course he wouldn't, but it was a very sly dig and saying, oh, I want to thank the people that enforced the Touchline ban because it gave me a bit of a wake-up call. But actually, uh, first and foremost, let's give credit to Adam Collin and Dave Waldie who ran the, the, the dugout and ended in the substitution superbly well. Um, and It didn't affect us whatsoever, did it, those two not being down there? In fact, like uh, Clive has just said, having those, different <clears throat> having those different vantage points probably actually played in our favour a little bit, didn't it?
4: Yeah, he certainly from his interview, he seemed to, to enjoy the other view. I mean, I, I can't remember what game it was a couple of home games ago when he was sat in the Bishop Street for no apparent reason. He wasn't banned. He just decided to have the first half there, which I thought was a bit weird. So you get a worse view there than you do actually in the dugout, which is strange. But um, yeah, it didn't seem to make a difference. I mean, at one point, it was quite funny. I, I could see Clough and, um, and, and Andy Garner and, I, and Colin was on the phone, but neither of those two were on the phone. So I thought was quite interesting. I was thinking, who is he on the phone to? because none of those two had a phone in their hand, yet Adam Collin was stood on his mobile, so I was quite interested in who was on the phone. He was,
5: was ordering a takeaway.
4: Well, I thought it was the food hub thing. I thought he'd got 5% <laughs> off or whatever it was. Um, but no, it didn't make any difference, and maybe having a different voice and a different set of people to prove something to maybe made a bit of a difference. I, I don't know. Um, but it, it, it certainly didn't have any negative effect that I could see, and maybe having gone on the other side, maybe it was a different voice to the players on the other side. I don't know. But he certainly didn't have any negatives that I could see.
3: No, absolutely not. I mean, I heard that he was on the phone to Alan Wilson trying to get involved in the Food Hub half-time challenge. Um, <laughs> would have really been on the phone to uh, Tom, the analyst, who uh, is in the... the Probably. But, um, yeah, it was, it was It was. really good. and I, We obviously knew, Jim... Uh, I'm coming to you again, so prepare yourself. We obviously knew that um, Nigel Clough would have the touchline ban, which we spoke about um, before. Um, but we weren't quite sure on Andy Garner, but we knew that he'd been involved in a bit of an incident as well. When you get one, you know, a manager, um, Touchline ban, you know you've already got your first team coach or your assistant there or whatever. But to have two is very much uncalled for, but or, or very much unheard of. But like we've just said, they coach very, very well. And actually, it maybe took a little bit of pressure and stress off the players uh, in a very important game and just allowed them to relax a little bit and... You know, like we said, have those eyes in different places.
7: To be honest, we I think the work's done during the week, isn't it? It's too late anyway. It's like revising for an exam, isn't it? You're gonna pass, you're gonna pass. If you're gonna fail, you're gonna fail. Well, I don't <laughs> think know. I think it makes much difference. I think as soon, as soon as they go on the pitch, you know, they'll just do their thing. And I don't think I don't think it really affects the players, to be honest.
3: No, it doesn't. Too so much, the work's done during the week. Yeah, I I think it's all about, you know, just having those different eyes in different places and just sort of being able to watch things from different vantage points. And I guess as well, Alan, the one thing we've not talked about is when you're on the touchline and we see this with Nigel Clough and Andy Garner quite a lot, they can get swept up, can't they, in the occasion, in the decisions by the fourth official, by the referee and become so wrapped up in that and the arguments that they're not actually watching the game as much but by taking them away from it they're forced to almost watch the game they can't remonstrate they have to do that afterwards or they, they just simply can't do it and actually maybe is that almost like when you get in a shower and it's it's cold before the hot runs on it wakes you up a little bit and it actually gives you that little bit of refresh that you
5: need
6: well, there are two things I noticed on Saturday, Craig. David Waldy and Adam Collin never really berated the fourth official. I think I saw him talking to him a couple of times, you know, whether but not heated. It was just like a, a normal conversation. And I was lucky enough to do the Man of the Match interview with Aidan Flint after the match. And I asked him the exact question. I said, did it have like a, an altered effect or anything with Nigel and uh, Andy Garner not being on there. He says, no, not really. He says, you just, it's basically what Jim said. We've done the work in the week. You know, we're on the pitch. We do it. We, we, we know what we're doing. And it's just, you know, those words of encouragement on the side. And that's exactly what he said. And it, it worked to treat, didn't it?
3: Keep your comments, opinions coming in. Uh, we'll go to some more in a minute. Let's uh, stay on the subject of Flint, Nick, for a, a second. Like we said earlier... A surprise inclusion in the lineup. Well, a surprise to some. I think we all saw it coming, to be fair, especially after his slight slip in the press and after letting John Giro Tour go out, by the by, anyway. Um, But obviously, he's got this bit of an injury. It's a partial dislocation, not a full dislocation, and a little bit of a a muscle tear. He's playing with injections. He's playing with it strapped up. But it didn't seem to affect him whatsoever. Yes, we'll have to manage it, and uh, we'll pick his cues these games. But like Nigel Clough has said in the week, Nick, it doesn't bother him if he doesn't train now as, other than maybe one day a week. As long as he can get through games, it's all on Aiden Flint and what he thinks that he can do. And I think knowing Aiden Flint and sort of having seen how he's been this season, Aiden Flint will just go, yep, I'll play.
4: Yeah, I think he'd play with it hanging off, wouldn't he? He's one of those sort of if he was just held up by the just by the sleeve of his shirt, I think he'd carry on. Um, I think the one the biggest giveaway for me that made me quite laugh was that they were in the middle of central London and couldn't get anyone to do his hospital scan in four days. And I thought that's a bit interesting. When Kilgore had his operation about two days after it happened, you know, they couldn't find anyone to possibly do a scan in the middle of central London, but never mind. Um yeah, I, I think it's up to him, isn't it? He doesn't need to train. I mean, what what's he's not gonna learn anything, is he? Tactically, there's nothing really for him to develop now for the end of the season, so just up to him and I don't think he'd miss a game if it was interesting whether Clough ever does decide to rest him I suppose if he's telling you he's fit you're not going to rest him are you you're going to keep playing him and there's only really big games to come there's not really any games you can leave him out Um, maybe you might think about it if Macca was fully fit and he could put Cargill and Brunt at the back instead I don't know but for me like you say I I completely agree I think it'll be Flint's decision and I cannot see him stepping aside for any game I think that's big
3: conundrum Clive the fact that you know Aiden Flint will probably 99% of the time say I'm fit in fact I think 100% of the time he'll say I'm fit to play regardless of whether it's hanging off or not and therefore you want to play him because he's your captain he's your leader he's got that experience but at the same time it's only going to take one challenge one jump one bad landing um, to potentially see him out for the remainder of the season and do more damage than good I'm thinking in particular about the 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 quick back-to-back games we've got this week. Obviously, Forest Green away on Saturday and then Harrogate at home on Tuesday night. Jordan Barry, of course, is is back from suspension. You've got Stephen McLaughlin, who's itching for, for game time now as well. You've got so many options in there that you could afford to rest him for one of those uh, games and shuffle things around. George Williams, you know, he deserves to st- keep his place in the side. He wants to play centre-back rather than, than right-back. So there's so many options that you can have there. But at the same time, Clive, It's disrupting the back four. What we've done so far this season is build on strong foundations by disrupting that back four as minimal as possible, as little as physically possible. But now we're in this position where we might have to disrupt it. Could that be a negative or could we use it to our advantage, keeping players fit, keeping leaders in there and staying as strong as physically possible?
5: Well, if it ain't broke, don't mend it and we've got a, we've got the best central pairing of defenders that we've had for a long time and uh, I do think you re, you mess around with those only if you've got no choice having said that I would imagine that Crosby's information about the the, uh, the uh, opponents of the future games will will be asking himself are we going to have a, a serious aerial threat from this team or not and if it's a team that doesn't go for that sort of attacking process, then maybe Clough might say, well, we can afford to let him have a bit of recovery time. But if he's not, in, if he's not injured to the point where he can't play, I'd play him every time.
3: Yeah, it's, it is really a conundrum, isn't it? Of, of whether you do that or not. And he is our captain, he's our leader. But the other thing to throw back into that mix, Alan, is the fact that Elliot Hewitt will, is only two, three weeks away from uh, knocking. Yeah. And <clears throat> options continue to, to grow. It's not like last season or the season before that, where, we're all of a sudden looking at Lucas Aikens and saying, can you play centre-back for 45 minutes?
6: Yeah, it, it would have been different, I think, or would have been interesting against Forest Green. <clears throat> excuse me, if uh, Troy Deeney was still there and playing You know, because he's a big bustling centre forward. That's his type of game, isn't it? So it would have been interesting whether, you know, Flint against Deeney. And like Clive said, if there's anybody that's a centre forward, you know, in the few games coming up that we've got that does play that sort of game, it will be quite interesting to see whether he keeps his place. But as also, as like Marie Wilson would have said, because she's a top class physio, if, you know, the weeks that go by, it's only going to get stronger and stronger. And if he doesn't train as much, if he's only training one day a week, I think that'll be a good thing, you know, because it's going to get stronger and stronger. It's going to get more. It's going to get fitter with his shoulder and everything. It's not going to be needed to be strapped up as much with painkilling injections. And I I just think he'll play right through.
3: Yeah, I see no reason why he won't. Um, and I don't think he'll he'll be bothered too much by being ragged around I, I think he'll just minimize his training and just sort of focus uh, yeah. on that uh, right let's move to another topic keep your comments coming in have your say on your team Jim heads up I'm coming to you again uh, also so is, uh, Thomas King uh, also glad so glad to see DkD back in the 10 roll so much uh, better coming on to play uh, rather than back to goal. Pretty certain he wouldn't be in that position to go if he had played up top. I completely agree 100% with every word written in that comment. Jim, over to you.
7: What, DKD? Yeah, he's, he's the man, isn't he? He's still a bit of quality up top, isn't he? He's, he's certainly at that end of the pitch, he's, he's first name down on the sheet. And I, I agree. I mean, I used to like it, the idea of him being further up pushed into the nine, but I think he is is on reflection better in the 10. He's just have the right people around him, but he was brilliant on Saturday. It, not just the goal, but he was just sharp and he looked dangerous and everything he did was, was quality. And um, I think even though people are a bit frustrated with the window, I think for me, it's just as big that we didn't lose him because I was fully expecting someone to come in with a bid for him. And we don't know perhaps they did, but the fact that we've kept him, I think is huge. I think, just as good as a new signing.
3: Let's stay on the topic of the window for a minute, Nick. Obviously, last week when we recorded the podcast, it was the window was still very much well open. <laughs> Tom Nichols during uh, said recording, but we haven't really had time to reflect wholly on it, so we'll do that now in the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, first and foremost, what were your opinions generally of the transfer business conducted by Mansfield Town during uh, January, Nick? Uh,
4: I think at the start of January, I said I wanted, we wanted one strike, and that was it. And we signed him. I think then the Oates injury came along. The only thing I would have liked is maybe someone with a bit more pace up front as a backup option, maybe alone, maybe, but that was, we didn't need any more defenders. We certainly didn't need any more midfielders. So it was only really up front that we'd looked a little bit pedestrian at times um, in the last month or so. So we've ticked a box, haven't we really? I mean, maybe I was expecting a different type of striker, maybe something different. Nichols seems a little bit in the DKD mold, but in the Swan sort of mold, but, you know, we can't complain. He looks like he's got quality. He had 10 minutes and I thought he looked really good on the ball, really confident, um, some good touches. So we certainly can't complain. Like Jim said, we haven't lost anybody um, apart from O'Toole, which was obvious. I thought Boateng might go out the door maybe, but that didn't happen. But again, we're, we're stronger to have him than not have it. you know, than him gone somewhere else. So, you know, all in all, I think it was a good window really, because we didn't need to tweak a lot, did we? Let's be honest.
3: I think there was a lot of disappointment in the air, Clyde, but I think that was probably more a case of people wanting to sort of keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, looking at what other clubs have done. But I think what Nick has said there has hit the nail on the head. We only really needed one striker before the Oates thing uh, came in and uh, the, before the Oates injury sort of happened. And after that, I know people <laughs> do come in. And really, we've sort of kept a calm, kept a composure. As Nigel Clough said, we're only ever going to bring one in. That was to Clive, by the way.
5: Yeah, I, I I'm tempted to, try to find a counter argument. Argument, there isn't one. I think well, it, bro, I'm happy. No, I'm, on. I'm happy with the the acquisition we've made. We only needed to tweak. That we we're not in the position this window that we were the same time last year or the year before. Uh, and if you get players in just for the sake of it, it can disrupt the quality of the squad you've already got. We've seen that happen.
3: And I think that's a vital thing to add as well, isn't it, Alan? The fact that, um, like Clive's just said there, if you bring too many players in, you are almost having to start again and, and bond. What we've done is we've done our research really, really well. Um, we've obviously been after Nichols for um, a few years. We've allowed an experienced player to go out and get game time because he was never yeah. going to get game time here, which is a shame. But when you add in all the variables of Hewitt coming back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera just well, that get... simply
5: demonstrates the quality of our squad, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah. And I think sort of like Clive just said there, Alan, it's not bringing too many people in means that we can just continue nicely bubbling along, boiling along and just sort of plain sailing rather than having doing what we did two seasons ago, which was, well, um, previous seasons prior to that as well, which was bring three, four, five players in and completely disrupt <laughs> the path we're running and veer off into the ditch.
6: Well, I don't think, I think it's been uh, well documented by a lot of people that if Oates hadn't have been fit, I don't think we'd have got anybody in, to be fair. But the one that he has got in is one that he's chased for quite a while. And also, it's through all reports, you know, I mean, people are probably going to say that anyway, but he wanted to come <coughs> to Mansfield. And it's, you know, it's been well documented that he did want to come to Mansell through some of the other fans and whatever have said about him. So it can only be a good thing. And I think he'll complement what we've already got, because he is something slightly different. And like Nick said, it did look quite uh, clever, capable, call it what you like, confident. He only had 10 minutes, but those 10 minutes, he looked quite good. Same as Swanny did, to be fair.
3: Yeah, he did. Let's uh, stay on the subject of Will Swan for a second, Jim. Uh, Greg in the comments says, as Clough said in his interview, Swan can almost be like a new signing. The last couple of games, he started to look like the player we had last season. He's looked like he's gained a yard of pace on Saturday. So he could be the Oates replacement, sort of. And I think on the back of that as well, when you add in the fact that we've brought Nichols, that sort of kept him on his <coughs> toes a little bit. We've got so many options up there. We've not disrupted the apple cart and we've given him the opportunity, which uh, which to be fair, he's deserved. And I, thought, I felt on Saturday... Swan took it, and I agree with everything that's been said. It will be like a, a second new signing.
7: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw that last season. We knew it was always in there. He just had a bad start to the season. He's a young lad, and young lads are inconsistent. And he was always going to come good, in my opinion, at some point. We just didn't know when. But, um, yeah, yeah. I think, he's, he's, I think it's no coincidence he started the game and he looked better. Yeah, when you when you come on as a sub, it's all to the game and get the pace of the game, and then before you know it, it's the end of the game. So I think a runner starts is is probably what he needs. And um yeah, I, I think um, it's nice to see, yeah, wasn't it, about around Christmas time whether he was gonna lose his way a bit and whether he was gonna stay with us. But um see. And I still he's not like Oak's quick, is he? But um he's he's I don't know what the word he's sharp, isn't he? He's bright. And um, he sort of replaces that bit of dy- dynamic play that you get from Oates. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice. clever to see. as well.
3: Yeah, it definitely is clever yeah. as well. Uh,
7: Good movement. As
3: well, obviously, in terms of um, partnerships as well, we saw a little bit on on Saturday of what um, tail uh, of, of what um, Nichols Tom Nichols can do. Of course, um, you always are going to start with Lucas Aikens. I think that's sort of embedded in Club's uh, DNA, but. He's got the options now. And I actually, I don't know about you, but just from the glimpse that I saw, I actually feel that Nichols could work quite well with Swan and it could give us another attacking option if we were ever to go with a, a 4-3-3 or Aikens had to, to miss a game or drop a little bit wider or fill in elsewhere. Gives us more options.
4: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think um, I think they look quite good together, actually. I thought they looked really good, Aikens and Swan. I thought, um, I'm not sure how that dynamic could work, particularly... Um, you think it should work, but n- neither have been in particularly great form. But I thought they complemented each other really well. Um, we do have a habit of aiming balls at Akin's head, which never quite helps him out. He, he receives some horrific passes. You know, a lot of behind behind me were still moaning about his touch sometimes. But some of the passes he gets, like aimed at his neck. And he still somehow, <laughs> managed, he somehow managed to sort of bumble his way around and get the ball down. Um, I thought he had a, a great game holding the ball up. And I think having two up front makes a massive difference because the ball doesn't come back half as much as it does when you've just got one up top. Yeah. And I think we've really struggled. It takes us, I think it takes a really good player to play up front on your own and be successful. You know, we see in the Premier League, there's many who do it, yet we expect Lucas Aiken not really a striker in the first place, to do it. So I think a partnership of of Swan and Aitken or Aitken and Nichols, whoever it might be, I think will bear a lot more fruit than what we were trying to do before, which was try and cram the midfield a bit and get Maris in at 10 and put DKD up front. I think how we started Saturday is how I'd like to see us for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, I know, Alan, you'll be a, you're be you a big advocate of DKD in the 10, aren't you?
6: As am I. Yep. Yeah, we've said that before, haven't we? We've said that it's his best position, I think. That's where he's, he's scored most of his goals from because he just looked quality again on Saturday. He looked fit, he looked sharp. Always wanting the ball. And I think he uh, coached well with Cargill as well. They sent to make a bit of a partnership on Saturday. not that they did?
3: Yeah, they certainly did. And it just gives him that little bit of creative freedom. It gives us a little bit of fluency in our play as well. Uh, You're listening or watching the Man's Matters podcast, depending on which uh, medium you choose to, uh, to do so. As always, keep your comments, questions and opinions coming in. Five of us on the panel tonight. We could have had the full seven, but some guy called Cam went off to do some other radio thing because he's a traitor. And uh, Nathan Edge uh, only appears when it's pre-recorded before 7 o'clock because he's too busy watching, uh, what is it, Paw Patrol or something? I don't know. Uh, but Nathan, they are both watching. And uh, Nathan has said in the comments, uh, absolutely fantastic reverse psychology from that Nathan Edge lad last week. Wasn't reverse psychology whatsoever. You just didn't back us. Uh, and Cam has uh, actually put an insightful comment in there. Uh, so it's clearly somebody wearing a Cam Felton mask. <laughs> I'm only joking, mate. Uh, it says, uh, Swan has been gifted his chance through injuries and needs to make the most of it. Agree. Uh, against Wimbledon County, he looked dangerous and needs to keep grounding, grinding away and the goals will start to come. He's not a bad player, just needs confidence that back that he had last season. Hopefully he will find it as well. Um, cam says, give me 10 minutes and I can join when I get to, the, to Sheffield train station. You're not getting in love honest we'll be done in 10 minutes you stay at home you keep commenting mate you keep commenting um because you know what i'll do if you if you you jump on the stream i'll just keep turning you off uh, because it's what we do uh keep your comments coming in keep your questions coming in keep your opinions coming in plenty more still to talk about here on the mansfield matters podcast the show for the fans by the fans why because mansfield always matters and we're back after these
0: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: You're listening to the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans, reflecting on a 1-0 win on Derby Day against uh, Notts County. A victory, Jim Evans, which put us second in Skybet League 2. Two points off of the leaders Stockport County. Lots of games still to come. We haven't got any games in hand over the Hatters, unfortunately, at the minute. But lots of football still to be played. And I think this victory, the victory on Saturday against Notts County could give us that little springboard that we need because we're in such a good position now. We've just got to keep the pace and got to uh, take the rough with the smooth.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, if you look at our teams, I'm surprised we didn't fall out of the top three. It just shows how inconsistent the teams around us are. And we only have to be sort of semi-consistent, you know, win one, draw one, even the odd defeat, and we can stay in there. But if we could kick on and get a few results together, there's no reason. I still don't think, I don't see a reason why we can't win the title. I really don't.
3: That's a bold I think t-
7: it's very possible.
3: The bold claim made by this coming
7: back.
4: I feel like you need to ring a yeah, bell of think some think sort, possible. Craig, for that. <laughs> We've not said the title on this podcast, and I've, I've been on it for a couple of years now. No one's ever said the word title. <laughs>
3: there you go. <laughs> What do you make of Jim's claim, though? I think
7: we can anything top three, So we're all quietly confident.
3: Nobody wants to like. Nobody wants to put the neck on the line, do they? Like Jim's. Got, Jim's all of a sudden got a laptop, oh. a, cam, a camera and gone right. Do you know what? Sod this, lads. I'm going. I'm going to get my balls out. I'm going to show you, <laughs> you know what I mean. He's for
4: a title charge.
3: Everybody else, everybody else, is just cautiously backing away. Soon, listen, listen. They? If you
5: want a confident statement, here's one. Oh, we
7: won't
4: God. get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we're just Mansfield fans, aren't we? You can't be confident. How can you be confident? I've, you know, I've been going 26 years. I think since I was five, we've only been promoted out of League Two once. So it's like, you know, you, you can't get that confident, can you? But we, we are in the best position we will ever be in. We're not going to be one of them teams who romps away with it like Leighton Orient did last year or For- Forest Green the year before. We're always going to be like a leave it to the last season merchant aren't we that's sort of what we do the last game sorry um so yeah I, I we're in a great position i mean we, we've not been great for a month and we're still two points off top so what more could you
7: ask for
5: i think uh, oh, no, jim's, no. jim's probably not wrong in, in that we've got every chance of winning the league but i'd be quite happy to finish third um i, I think uh, and without having to get anything from the last game at barrow that would be my ideal yeah. Um, and what we don't want to be doing is playing Chesterfield next year.
4: No. <laughs> you
5: know what, I
6: think... Well, they're, on, they're coming up anyway, but oh, yeah. we won't play them.
3: Uh, do you know what? As as tongue-in-cheek as we are, and we're, we're sort of cautious, mainly because we've been burned <laughs> in the past on this podcast and in yeah. general stag supporting history, but if ever, Alan Wilson, there was a season where we can be quietly confident, and I mean very quietly confident it has to be this season doesn't it we've put ourselves in the greatest position we've got we've got the best squad we've had in years in terms of quality and depth simultaneously think you know it's not like we've said it's not going to be a runaway thing but we're in there and we've constantly been in there it's been a building building job and if if we do it up now then we've only got ourselves to blame surely
6: well, I've had a, I don't know whether I can remember telling you right at the start of the season, Craig. I've had the last time I had a cheeky bet on Mansell Town. We won the uh, Blue Square Premier League. And I've had a cheeky bet again this year, just a little cheeky one. So I'm just going for promotion. Simple as. That's
3: uh, so, it. I mean, nobody really wants to say that we could win the, the title, Clive, and no, nobody other than Jim. But. You know what it is right it is so tight in there the wind can change but at the same time we can completely drop out who'd have thought a couple of months ago that Harrogate would be pushing the playoffs they had a bit of a dreadful start and and now you know only outside the, the playoffs on on goal difference and, and what have you you know it can change in the blink of an eye we've just got to stay consistent and not get carried away because that is our problem isn't it we were not our problem as in was on the podcast but our problem as a fan base and as a club we will get carried away at some point and that is where we will trip ourselves up.
5: Yeah, that's the Mansfield way. Everybody refers to it. But that's what it is. You know, we, we get all our best players back for Saturday and we we'll are play a team that's languishing at the bottom of the league. You'd expect us to romp that. We'll find it tougher than people want it to be. But I, I don't think there's a team in this league that we should be frightened of. And uh, when we, when we play as well as we can play, we can beat anybody. And that's all we've got to try and do is get back on the form we had in the run-up to christmas and i think we saw a bit of that on saturday we saw some of it in wimbledon but we were robbed by circumstance there so i i think jim nudged it earlier on that we are we've turned a bit of a corner and we've done it under difficult circumstances we've got a pitch which is uh, not good enough now which has not helped a great deal we've got uh, a team that's worthy of a better surface to play on but that's what we've got until next year and i just think we the money's been spent on players this year it's probably the right thing to have done and let's get out of this league let's give ourselves a chance in the league above let's not do what Forest Green did because they might mismanaged their promotion um and it couldn't have happened to a nicer man but we um we are in it. everybody's saying it and no, i can't argue against it we're in a better position now than we've been in 20 years
3: yeah, absolutely. Uh, Simon in the comments, uh, Nick, has just put just nine home games to go. And earlier on, someone did mention about it being the best atmosphere that we've had for a while at, at One Core Stadium on Saturday. No doubt, due to the fact it was a derby, it was a sellout. But those home fans, those nine home games are going to be absolutely critical in this run. We know we're better away from home uh, than what we are at home, but we need to make One Core Stadium for those final nine home games of the season, an absolute fortress. We need to come off of that pitch, not only proud of the lads for the, the position they've, they've put in, but we need to come off that pitch knowing that if we are beaten, then that team has earned it. We need to be hard-working and make these last nine count. We've got to be what we were on Saturday, Nick, and that is the uh, cliched 12th man.
4: Yeah, I think we, we need, just need to accept that every game is not, not going to be 3-0 up at half-time. And then... We... We, we do start poorly as a team and we always have done Mansfield. I don't know why, but we often do start quite poorly. And I think if we have a bad 10 minutes, the crowd does drop and that anticipation of the game at the start and the big atmosphere disappears. Um, but we just need to just keep, you know, like like, like Simon says, nine home games left um, and we just need to be behind them regardless of how we're playing. I think, uh, you know, I've never played professional football, but I do imagine if the crowd's flat and you are get moans and groans and I do imagine it does affect your performance, um, but if on you know the opposite side, if we're right behind them and we we, the songs are singing and we're shouting and, and getting behind them and getting into the opposition, it, I think it does make a massive difference. Um, and I think that like you say, we've we've just got to, for those last few games, just be at it, as a fan base as well. I mean, you can't argue with the numbers. You know, it's been amazing the numbers we're getting this season, but we've just got to, the noise has just got to be there a little bit as well, regardless sometimes of how the players are. Are playing because we often are a mirror of what's going off on the pitch aren't we whereas sometimes we we I need just, to be separate to that
6: i just think early goal is key Absolutely. oh yeah
4: massively yeah
6: very, an early goal is key every time mansell score uh, you know it, they have to whatever uh defense mechanism whatever part the coach call it what you like if they're one nil down they've got to change yeah. otherwise they're going to lose the game we, and it opens
5: the gates for us as well
4: we don't start very so that well though, do we that's that the goal thing.
5: is absolutely key yeah. i think as well what i find quite impressive at the moment is the impact that the uh, quarry lane end can have mm. because when that's full you get people in there that get the excitement going as well and uh, q block gets a bit of support from the quarry lane end, which is nice to see and nice to hear as well
6: yeah Yeah, I'd agree with that.
3: certainly is. Right, let's turn our attention to off-the-pitch matters before we do podcast predictions. Uh, One thing was trialled on uh, Saturday, Jim. I'm not sure whether you go that way after the game or not. I presume you do. And that was uh, Quarry Lane being closed um, with that traffic restriction order, which they uh, they, they put in place, a temporary traffic restriction order. Um, no no cars were on, on Quarry Lane, no cars were driving up or down it, which meant supporters were able to uh, to, to walk down the middle of the road and sort of get out of the game um, quickly. I've heard nothing but positives uh, about it. What's your thoughts on it? Is it long, something which has been long overdue?
7: Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I, I do go out that way. I go down to the River Mourne and up towards Sheepish Lane and it was much safer getting out, was, you know, particularly in the winter. Dark at the end of games, and so you, there's usually you see two or three people nearly get run over. So there's none of that. And when I actually got to my car, it was far quicker getting out. So it was much better from that point of view as well. So if that's something that can carry on, then yeah, much better.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't think there's a, a negative comment that you could find about it, Clive. To be fair, It is has always been a bit of a. Uh, temperamental thing and it, and we knew as crowds got bigger and bigger that it was going to cause more and more of a problem and i know that you know there are some supporters elderly supporters that um, do struggle to walk that little bit further and, th- and things like that but you can't win every battle can you there are ways there are ways and means and if if they can just about manage to get to down to um where Curry's PC World is, um, down that little walkway there, it's actually probably a lot quicker and a lot, a lot safer. Or they could just hold back and go and have a little drink <clears throat> and, and, and wait.
5: Yeah, I think you have to try and um, cater for the majority. And if one or two uh, people who have walking difficulties or rely on wheeled transport uh, are put out, that's a shame. But it's got to be for the greater good of all. The uh, reality is they can wait 10 minutes longer than they would like necessarily to do. Uh, wait for everything to clear, and the, and then the the traffic is opened up again because it's the same for those people who park in the car pay who pay to park in our car park. They can't get out either, but it is it's a bit like the olden days. It's a bit like a Lowry painting at the end of the game now with all these blokes walking down the street um, from from Burnham Park. <laughs> it's just it just felt really old old school on on uh, Saturday when we we emptied the ground and I got to my car quicker, no question. However. I didn't get very far in my car very quick for a while. Oh. Uh, I chose the wrong route. I tried to go down Bath Street that way and up for uh, Little. It was like, uh, well, it, it was it was a bad decision. Let's put it that way. Once you're on it, you can't get off it.
3: That's very very true indeed, uh, Nick. Well, you know we're making strides off the pitch as well. I don't know if you've seen these this photos going around. More and more work is being done to that bit outside of. Um, uh, where the, the, the top pitch is to try and sort of uh, create a little bit more flow through there as well. It's something which we have to do as a club To If we're going to get these sellout crowds, we've got to make more footroom out there. We've got to make more appealing activities and, and things like that. We are on the progressive move forward as a club, both on and off the pitch, which is pleasing to see.
4: I think we're becoming a bit more proactive than reactive. The club seemed to wait till something was a problem and then fix it. Whereas now they seem to be looking a little bit ahead and you can't see these crowds dropping now. I mean, at the minute, I'm trying to document every kit the club wore in every game. And looking back on footage, it's incredible to see the emptiness of the ground. Even four years ago, three years ago, I mean, what, three years ago, it's completely empty. But four years ago, yeah. Um, you just look at the stands and you just think like, I can't even remember it being like, even the promotion season of oh one oh two in my head, every game was full, but when you look, it was the Cheltenham game and maybe one other, whereas every other game was not. So we haven't really had that problem, but you know, it's it's a brilliant place to see full, isn't it? And obviously we all hope that the Bishop Street will get sorted at some point, which I'm sure it will. Um But off the pitch, we are getting there. I still think there's a list of a hundred things that me, Clive, Allen, yourself and Jim could put together that they could fix. Um But, They are definitely, I think, looking ahead and the staff they seem to have in most departments seem to also be, you know, unbiased and just doing things the right way, Um, which is is great to see, obviously.
3: Certainly is right. We're going to have one final comment, Jim, which I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to. Uh, Then we'll get an update on shirts from Nick. Then we'll do podcast predictions and then we'll bugger off and go our separate ways into the night. And uh, probably the local McDonald's will get some trade. Other restaurants are available. Uh, And that comment, uh, Jim, is from our our friend Nathan Edge, who uh, suddenly remembered where the podcast is. His kids are obviously in bed tonight. Um, And he says, I think our atmosphere is better after a little bit of a bad run and when we aren't expected to win necessarily. It seems to be worse when we play the likes of Forest Green, Sutton and those down at the bottom. As we are just expected to demolish them, and uh, when that inevitably doesn't happen, the noise levels drop. Jim, your response to that?
7: Do you know what? I'm not too worried because our four more seasons not been great. So if we're scratchy home form, well, then surely that takes the pressure off home form in a way. The players can think, well, it's not really happened at home this season, so we can only get better. So again, I, I. I, I I think once you're out on that pitch, I think you switch off to stuff like that. I think it's all a bit superficial. I think you just go into your bubble and I don't think if they're honest, the players really pay that much attention to the outside noise.
3: If I'm honest. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a shirt update from our friend Nick of Mansfield Town Shirts fame. Nick, what have you been buying?
4: Lots of stuff. I quite like the announcement, though. quite like that. Um, I've just put two new ones there. I've got a Danny Rose shirt. I've not got a Danny Rose shirt until last week, but I have now. Um, and a Stuart Hadley shirt from 93, 94. I've also got the away shirt. That was a sub. That was a sub shirt, and I'm trying to dig into who wore that. I think Lee Wilson wore it and a couple of others. But um, they're quite hard to find in match ones. so I'm quite pleased with that. But my usual plea to anyone who has any match-worn shirts, please do let me know if you've got any, and I will buy them off you which is what I usually do. Um, But also I think some people might have seen the um, Mansfield Museum stuff, which hopefully the podcast might be getting involved with as well. But um, I will send a reminder out about that event as well to come down and there'll be all sorts of shirt-related stuff, which I'm sure will be exciting for everyone. But I've I've got a few bits in the pipeline, nothing particularly majorly exciting. A few people clearing out lofts and storage units and all sorts. It's all fun and games.
3: We all certainly look forward to seeing it. We will, of course, be at that uh, that event at Mansfield Museum. And we'll also be doing a couple of podcasts down there as well. She actually emailed me, bless her, early today to go, get your dates in. I need to get it sorted out. We will sort it out. Me and Nick are going to sit down and have a little chat about his little contact but We're going to go for a Costa and have a little bit of a catch-up and dig out a few names that we can get to do uh, Legends Live uh, Part 3. Yeah. Technically Legend Live Part 3 slash Stag Stories, whatever you want to call it. We might even come up with a different name. Who knows what might happen between uh, now and then. Uh, Right, time for another key part of the show, although I know that we've peaked at uh, Nick's shirts. But, you know, from one announcement to uh, a horrible jingle, all right. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? It's the guessing game that brings you zero fame. But to be the best, you must outguess the rest. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? In the League or Cup, you just make it up. Because they're just works of fiction. It's podcast predictions. Will they win, lose or draw? it's the most hotly contested game in all of the internet probably it's podcast prediction two games to look ahead to Uh, first and foremost congratulations to Nick Felton for finally reaching the 100 point mark he's still unfortunately though, sits second to uh, Steve Nadin in the table and Alan is still the runaway leader at the top of the Mansfield matters mini-league which is now incorporated Jim welcome to the official league Jim by the way uh forest green rovers up first on the league's bottom side and let's start with the leader of the pack alan your your prediction for forest green Rovers, away, <coughs> please
6: forest green rovers nil mansfield town two and man of the match georgie Maris.
3: uh clive i'll come to you next
5: forest green rovers nil mansfield town two man of the match akins <laughs> oh <laughs>
4: Nick Boris Green 2 Mansfield 3
7: Oh I know
4: I know controversial I know I've got I've got to do something different than I um and DKD man of the
7: match Jim you're up next Boris Green 1 Mansfield Town 3 uh man of the match Luke Sakins
3: Sakins uh, I am going to go for a 6-0 win. Man- <laughs> <laughs>
7: Who <laughs> two?
3: Mansfield, obviously. Oh, okay, sorry. Come on. I'm not needing. Uh, man of the match, uh, Tom Nicholls. Uh, so, Harry got up next then on Tuesday night at One Course Stadium. Uh, let's go the opposite way round then for that one. I'll kick us off by going with a much more... Uh, concise, 1-0 win. Man of the match in that one will be Christy Pym. Jim, you're up next for Harrogate at home. 2-0
7: home win. Uh, Davis, man Davis of the match.
3: Okay, uh, Nick.
7: 1-1 draw, Flint, man of the match.
3: Oh, oh Clive.
4: 8-0 win. <laughs> Who too?
6: <laughs>
5: Bagsfield. Flint, none of the match, <laughs> he's gonna get a hat trick. <laughs> I think i better take some stripes <laughs> <laughs> I
6: finish it off. Uh, I'm gonna go 2 0 again. Stags win, and I think I'll go for Mr. Cargill this time.
3: Excellent choice, as always.
4: We win 8 0 now.
5: 8-0. I know,
4: have I real.
3: As always, if you want to get involved with podcast predictions, you can do so via the link in the description. You can put whatever scoreline you want. Just make sure you submit your guesses for either game at uh, one hour and w- no later than an hour and one minute before kick-off uh, for either of those games. You can put your predictions in for all of the games for this month and, of course, we'll give you an update on the table at the end of the month. 8-0, are
6: you all right? Well, you started it. I think if they win 8-0, Greg... Clive ought to treat us all to a Nando's.
5: <laughs> you know what, we'll ask for that shout. <laughs> oh, if we win 8-0, I'd be happy to buy you all Nando's. Oh, you heard it first here. Can I uh, <laughs> Can I just steal a bit of time, Craig, for a shout-out?
3: Depends who it's for, but yeah, go on.
5: Owen Hardwick. He's um, he's somebody we know through football, through uh, uh, Clipston, um, and he used to be at Nando's. We uh, He's doing a charity drive... Over Easter, he's doing a squintillion steps or something. Um, and he, he did one last year for a charity, a cancer charity. He's doing it for the Lashes Foundation this year. Um, if you can support him, go to his Facebook page, there's a donation page there. Uh, he uh, is a hard working young man with uh, every good intent. Let's support him. He
3: certainly, he is a top young man as well. Um, and mainly and not only because he used to give us. Heavily discounted Nando's, uh, but he's a very good young man and uh, a, a very worthwhile cause as well. Right, that's almost all we've got time for uh, this week. Uh, final reflections, though, as we look ahead to two games. Uh, I'm going to go around the podcast panel. I'll start with Alan, then I'll go to Clive, then I'll go to Nick, and then Jim, I'll finish uh, with you. Uh, and that is, of course, as we look ahead to these two games Forest Green Rovers, bottom of the table, difficult place to go, as we know sometimes. So let's just hope that we get through 90 minutes. Um, new manager in charge there and then Harrogate always been a bit of a bogey team what are you expecting question from all to all of you what are you expecting from the next two games because for me we've all gone for except for Nick we've all gone for uh, two wins I'm personally expecting six points and there's no reason why we shouldn't be getting six points from the next two games Uh, Alan you're up first
6: yeah, I always like to try and end this podcast on three words, Craig, which has been a febble fab, of mine. Same again, please. Five.
5: Continue to gain momentum.
3: Oh, are we all going for three words? I've not, I, I didn't, yeah. that was
5: a thing. <laughs> That was four, actually. That was four. But you, you fell last, didn't, didn't you?
3: I did fail mask, but Jim, well, right. So you went Alan went three, you went four, Nick. If you go from one, two, three, five, three. Five, and then Jim, you've got six.
4: Don't lose many football matches.
0: <laughs> and well, that well. will that
4: will get us to there where we need to be. I promise. You're right, it will. Go on, Jim. Jim's got to think of six now.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
5: Where does it? Where does it go? Where does the message go before it gets to a gym I don't know. It must, it must, it must go for a It, go to... oh, green. it yeah. swims across the res, obviously. Yeah. Fix words, Jim.
7: Just spirit. Um, That's two. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um
4: Just making resilient. So, you. <laughs> no, you, you've used them now.
3: Uh, Do you know what? I'm going to do you know what? I'm going to put him out of his misery. (laughs) Well, tonight on the Mansfield Matters podcast, my thanks as always uh, to all of the Mansfield Matters podcast panel.
5: Which tonight has
3: consisted of Alan Wilson, Clive Parkin, Jim Evans and Nick of Mansfield Town shirts fame. I am trying to put the image on screen, but it does not it's not showing up, so there you go. Uh, join us again next week as we reflect on, uh, hopefully, a 6-0 win over Forest Green and an 8-0 win over Harrogate, and then we'll all be celebrating in Nando's. As always, you can join us throughout the week and have your say on your team. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast, a show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield always matters. Until then, get yourself... Forest Green, get yourself to the One Call Stadium, support the Stags, and hopefully continue what is turning out to be a potential promotion chasing journey. I'm running out of words, who cares? Good night!